0: All right. Welcome to a new show by the Ridge Runners. Uh, this is going to be a new show that we put out every now and then it's not going to be as frequent as our more common show, the weekly rundown. If you're familiar with that, uh, this is just going to be more of a, a laid back discussion style, um, conversational, uh, format, and we're going to focus on one topic, uh, one issue at hand. And, uh, it's going to be called the trail talk. So Ridge Runner trail talk. And we're here with, everyone knows, Wesley. What's up, guys? And over here we have John, the man behind the scenes. How's it going? And so John's going to kind of moderate uh, direct questions um, as we discuss um, our topic. And so this week, introducing for the first time uh, on the Trail Talk, we'll be talking about the Grindstone 100 that Wesley and I participated in uh, a couple weeks ago now. Uh, Yeah, so we can just kind of dive right in, talk about um, our experiences, Kind of like a race recap format. Um, so here we go. Hope you guys like it. All right. Well, let's start off, I guess, with uh, what is the Grindstone 100?
1: Where me Where it's at, and some uh, some details about the course itself.
0: Yeah. So Grindstone is a hundred mile race down in uh, I guess Swoop. Yes. Virginia. Swoop, Virginia was the official city name, which is very, very small. It's uh, Stanton is this is the city that is the biggest that has like restaurants and stuff and it's kind of in the central North central part of the state in the Blue Ridge Mountains uh, Washington Jefferson National Forest and so yeah, it's a hundred mile race. It's been going on I think it was a tenth year if I believe, I believe um, so. somewhere around that time period and It's really grown to be like one of the most respected hundred mile races on the East Coast It was once considered like the hardest mile around the east coast with twenty-three thousand feet of elevation it's a point to point or it's a out and back race uh, so you go out 50 and back 50 um yeah what are some of the other key characteristics of the race yeah i mean basically the
2: 50 mile out and 50 mile back is a unique uh, aspect of the race like you said it's i think it's still debatably one of the hardest races yeah. on the east coast it's not like chopped off or anything I, there's a few new races but yeah i think that one definitely still has and some something else
0: i was going to mention too it starts at 6 p.m and That's so like interesting <laughs> yeah yeah so like most 100 mile races start at like 5 a.m or 6 a.m and um you know people get one night of running and here majority of the runners were finishing with two with nights into that second night and so you know, right off the bat you get like an hour or two of, of daylight and then like the headlamps are already on and uh, you go through basically 12 hours of, of darkness. Yeah. And that was, it definitely plays into that like hardest race uh, idea because it, it does provide, it's just slower to run at night. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of like the characteristic grind. So, Clark Zealand is the race director. Uh, EcoX Sports, him and uh, David Horton are kind of like the two main race directors and they kind of like work together and, and like you see both of them at each other's races and uh, they've kind of like established some nice, uh, I don't know, like, I guess like not old-fashioned races but just like old school style like no like not big on frills and festival style stuff it's just like you come there and race and socialize and then you know have fun and leave but with that being said i mean those races that they put on are like absolutely phenomenal i think we've
2: done a few of them now and i'd say like i mean without the frills and all that other specialty stuff they're at like the top of their class when it comes to those races so
0: yeah i think they, they're such a the mountain masochist race, which takes place just south of here, uh, Horton started in the uh, early eighties and then he passed it off to Clark. And so now it's been like 30 some years and it's just established such a base of like trail runners and community. And so like all the aid station that grinds in was like staffed by locals who've done it for, you know, the, for many, many years. And that's, you can really tell that like when you go to a race, uh, just like having community involvement, always nice. Yeah. And just the veterans, uh, who kind of like know exactly what to look for in runners when they come in. So you can tell that like with the grindstone being so established compared to like a new 100 mile race that we're seeing a lot of for sure.
1: So leading up to the beginning of the race, Wesley, if you want to go first, maybe, um, how are you like preparing the last couple of days or right before the race started, you know, your travels down, it was obviously four or five hours from here, probably at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe Michael going after that.
2: Yeah, preparing, like the, I guess, the last couple days before, I was actually feeling really relaxed. That was probably the best part I've ever felt during my entire training block, I guess you could say, was uh, the last few days. Because at that point, you really can't do anything else before. I mean, you can, like, obviously do all the stuff you're supposed to, like make sure you're eating well and get a bunch of sleep. But, I mean, at that point, you just got to stay calm and make sure you're ready to go. And so we got down there, my crew and I left Athens Thursday night. So we made it, like, most of the way down there. Stayed in a hotel Thursday night, and then went to the uh, the starting line where the race starts at Friday morning, and set up our tent and everything like that. So cool. that was yeah. my logistical plans.
0: Cool, yeah. You yeah, know, there was a group of us that traveled down there. Um, you know, Wesley and I ran. We're both from Athens. We have a couple of buddies that we train with a lot and meet up with a lot and talk to um, from Columbus. Travis Zipfel and Nick Voss. So they you know were part of like our, our travel caravan, and Mike Cooper from just like about an hour from Athens and Malta, uh, also came down. So we all like I think we had like three three groups of us that went down. Yeah. Uh, I drove down with Travis on uh, Thursday evening, and we set up camp right before it got dark on Thursday night. And there was already like twenty or thirty people there camping on Thursday night. And then like uh, Nick and uh, Mike had already been there, so it was really cool having having them down there as well for sure I and mean, we were talking about how it's like our first
2: big race like that we've all done together like as like a team almost mm-hmm. where like we've all been at the same race and i think that was uh kind of unique heaven yeah four other runners plus yourself there that you're all rooting for it was cool and you all had your own unique unique
1: experiences uh michael doing fairly well and wesley having a have some fun challenges through the race yeah I and mean, it's um, <laughs> so we'll get to those in the later <laughs> in this segment um where do you want to start with, um, race day, uh, uh oversleep or anything like that for this one? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no one overslept for this one. There's, it's kind of hard to, cause like it is during the day, but I think, well, we all kind of like hung out in that morning, prepared our drop bags mm-hmm. and then you got some good sleep during
2: the day. I actually, yeah, I took an hour and a half nap, like, uh, like maybe two or three, whenever after the, uh, the mandatory crew meeting.
0: Or yeah, like we had the race. crew meeting that we all went through and like, they just did all the announcements, but, you had your luxury uh, blow-up mattresses. Yeah. <laughs> like, blow-up
2: mattresses came in clutch. Yeah, and I, just, I just had
0: like a sleeping
2: pad. Was <laughs>
0: not, as, not quite. As, so I couldn't really sleep much during the day. But, um, you know, this was that 6 p.m. start. Like, you're trying to just fill that time from, you know, you wake up in the morning at a normal time. You have the pre-race stuff, pack-up pickup and a pre-race briefing. And they had like a lunch prepared. Did you make it in time for the lunch? I got there just after. Okay. So, like, they had all that stuff and then, like, after that, you basically have six hours to like kind of fill. Um, so everyone's trying to sleep, pretty quiet around camp, but mm-hmm. um, people were still getting there, of course. Uh,
1: lunch, good, good lunch,
0: yeah. It was, yeah, it was typical like sandwiches, like light, you know, turkey sandwiches with bread and fruit and, and veggies. Sandwiches, with bread, are good. <laughs>
2: I mean that <laughs> like,
0: I mean like if you're like Travis, you just like that, can't eat because he's vegan. That's true. Uh, <laughs> Some of us have that's why lost. Now, um we did like the old um sandwich like the unwitch, like the Jimmy Jones <laughs> and then, like um, salad as your buns. Yes. <laughs> I don't know who, who would do that. But, but yeah, it was good.
1: So then uh race start, I see your six PM. Um how many hours of light did we have before it got dark out there?
2: I would say we had about like an hour of light at the most i mean I, we all started every runner started the race with their headlamp on because you can make yeah sure I, I read where situation.
0: one of the guys who's from virginia who's ran this race in the past i saw where he made a comment that uh, he hadn't started this race with the headlamp on in the past because like it's more clear but it was overcast um which kind of like forebode like what was to come because mm-hmm. um, it was very overcast at night and that's kind of how it started like after it got dark We got into the mountains because the race kind of starts off in a Boy Scout camp. Um, Once you got back into the mountains, it got dark, and then the fog came in. And that was, like, a very big part of this race this year. Yeah, What was your experience in the fog? Yeah, the fog makes
2: everything so difficult. I mean, when you can't even see, like, a couple feet in front of you, uh, I mean, not only trying to run, but run quickly, especially, like, on the downhills. Have you ran
0: anything like that before, ever?
2: I have not experienced. I was telling Nick, I don't even know <laughs> if I've even run in fog as deeper as, like, anything as crazy like that on the trails before. So, yeah. just with the super technical rocky trails, you yeah. know, with the fog element. I mean, every, it slowed everyone down.
0: That's kind of what I thought, too. I was talk, Like, I was around with Travis early on. Like, I, me and Travis linked up, at like, at mile five, and the first big climb of the race, you climb up to a, a they call it a knob basically, a summit uh, called Elliot's Knob, and you had to punch your bib, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was just like, that's when the fog really hit, and I was climbing up, walking up, basically, uh, Elliot's Knob with Travis, and, like, he was only, like, a few feet ahead of me, and I was like, Travis, I don't even see you up there. It's like, you know, with our headlamps on it, it just, like, illuminated the, you know, the fog particles, and uh, then when we reached the top, like, we almost couldn't find the hole punch because it mm-hmm. was just so... Uh, Dense with fog, and I had I, I ran this race until the 14 and it was really foggy as well. So, I think it's pretty common, but it wasn't anywhere near as like thick as this. Like, I could still see the ground, and like you said, just like those rocky downhills for sure, where you could be running or yeah. making up time. You just had to kind of like be careful and yeah. not, you yeah. couldn't make up time on this downhill for sure. I mean, else, like, yeah, you'd be risking injury. Where you
2: normally be able to like fly down a section, you mm-hmm. just had to take it super conservative because you couldn't even see the next step ahead of you. It was like guessing and hoping that you were stepping in the right (laughs) places instead of like picking your
0: points. I mean, I remember there were sections where we'd be down in the Valley, but it was a little more uh, smooth or like a grassy trail. And if the forest wasn't dense and it was open, you wouldn't be able to tell where the, like turning left or going straight or turning right until like, there were several times where you did like take a step or two off the trail and you're like, this isn't the trail. Yeah. Go back and just like pick up another marking. Mm -hmm. Um, that you, yeah. It oh, would be terrifying. <laughs> Trying
1: to like, just
0: see, you can't like That's, see anything
1: in front of your it's face. It's true, or, like, it
0: kind yeah. of is terrifying, which you kind of have to train for but it's hard to train for something that you don't get in Ohio. Yeah. Like with the fog, it's sometimes foggy, but it's not anything like that. And yeah. Like I was joking with Travis, like there could be a bear standing in the trail <laughs> and we could just run into it and we would never see it. <laughs> just eat us alive. Yeah, just be gone. <laughs> Where'd Michael go? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So how did, um, how did it feel uh, starting the race with, uh, as you called target on the back of your
0: head? I kind of did have a target. Um, so like something that they do at these races, like they seed, yeah, <laughs> they seed the top race. And so that's my race bib. <laughs> and so I was given, um, I was given the, the one seed based on, I guess, whoever did the seedings predict projections. Um. And, you know, I've done this race before. I got third place at the 14 with a pretty competitive field. And I had a pretty good race there. And then just based on who was on their entry list. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this was one race where I w- really went into, like, very confident. Like, I expected the win as much as that sounds kind of, like, very brash and just, like, confident sounding in a, in a bad way. Like, I did go into the race expecting to win. Like, that was my goal, obviously, like. You always have like plan B, plan C, and then just like the finish goal. Um, but I felt pretty good about it. Just like experience level. Uh, I knew it would be hard, obviously, with some of the guys like Travis, who I've gotten to know really well with the past couple years and who's really progressed as a runner, was like definitely the guy that I thought would push me the most, which it kind of ended up being that way. I'm sure we'll talk about this more, but... Um, Yeah, like the 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 one seed didn't get me nervous or scared. It just kind of like gave me a little bit more of a push to like motivation to go. Yeah, I think so. Like I do run with that mentality of like if you give me something to motivate me, it it like gives me that like extra push. Mm -hmm. Uh, It gives me something to think about when I'm feeling rough or feeling low. It's like oh shoot, I've got this number one bib on (laughs) me. Like let's go, let's try to do something better here. So. Like, yeah and talk about your seed yeah, you yeah. pretty well too right <laughs> yeah
2: so i don't know, for whatever reason i don't know what <laughs> uh was happening here with the race director's thoughts on this but i was seated 13th in this race and they clearly didn't know my training leading up to this uh i was not well prepared <laughs> yeah talk about of. like your
0: summer like or like your um yeah late summer early fall yeah so basically
2: from may to mid-may to like july even like early august i was running like 20 miles a week maybe at the most i mean there were a bunch of weeks in there that had goose eggs (laughs)
0: just no running was going on yeah i think i counted like there was like an eight week period where you ran
2: like eight times yeah it's something like crazy like that and during that time i still like signed up for grindstone thinking that okay i could kick it into gear here and uh make something happen which to be fair i feel like once i got back to athens i had some pretty stout weeks i mean there was a lot of solid big workouts that i did that uh really sort of like help prepare me mentally and physically uh for what was to come i had a 37 mile day on radar hill just going up and down this hill in athens It's 0.5 miles up 0.5 miles down and that was like ten thousand feet of vert in just one effort i did in like nine and a half hours there was another run that i had that was uh 50 miles solo out at the shawnee state forest just put up drove out there early one morning set up some water stops around the loop and just did a one loop so run by myself in 10 hours and 41 minutes so yeah you really that's a hard
1: course isn't it right that's a hard two miler
2: yeah yeah you got like what how much is, i mean like i think 10,000 nine high 9,000 feet of vert there yeah so you like kind of crammed in some some training for sure i mean like um, the the one week with shawnee that i finished that week with 20,000 feet of vert mm-hmm. in one week and if you ask most people like uh, probably a lot i, yeah. I feel like that's quite even if you're like progressively training up to it Twenty thousand in one week is a lot if you're not doing a race so yeah i was feeling pretty not good going into the race but i feel like i did a lot in such a short amount of time that i was gonna do well um but i knew once i saw the 13 bib i knew something was wrong i knew that no matter <laughs> even if i had my best day ever i with my training going into it that i wouldn't finish anywhere near the top 13 top top 10. i said uh 113 would have been more appropriate for me and that would have been like 30 hours typically so that would have been a more stout product, production in my opinion yeah
1: lucky but, number 13 right lucky <laughs> is that what they say yes
2: <laughs> cool yeah so how did it end up so yeah so my i guess i'll dive into my race and we can talk about michael's race uh, My race, I started the race with Nick Voss, like I said, one of our training partners. And uh, Nick and I just took it super easy. We just kind of hung out in the back, probably like back 20% in the beginning. Just really just wanted to get our feet under ourselves and just really work ourselves into the race. After about maybe five or six miles in, right around Elliott's knob that you mentioned, Mm -hmm. we started to climb really well. I mean, we were passing a lot of people on the climbs in the beginning miles. I still uh, look back at the data and was impressed to see like, I think we made up that climb despite like where we started in the race and like where we were and throughout that we were, so I was like mile yeah. t- seven or eight. Yeah. Getting close to eight. Yeah. It was dark and foggy almost. Yeah. Point. So and at that point sure. it was hundred percent dark, foggy. I mean, you could barely see in front of you. Luckily Elliot's knob is just kind of like a straight up steep, uh, Jeep road. So it's not like on a trail per se. Mm-hmm. So like, luckily that's the one point where it's a big climb. But you do have your feet under yourself, so you don't have to like worry about like stepping off the trail or slipping out some rocks. But well, it's very
0: steep. Like I mean, man, it's like steeper than anything. I doubt anybody ran. I mean, I don't think anybody ran that hill. At yeah, least I don't know how you would be able yeah, to Travis run multiple times. How we hiked so. the whole way to the top. So uh
2: that was that mile, like eight or so. We were still going back and forth. Nick and I were going together, and I think around like mile fourteen or so. Uh, there was this branch that came out of nowhere, and obviously, you can't see anything in front of you. And this branch is at like eye level, and I'm just like running, and it hits me in the eye. And Nick's behind me, and I'm like, ah! And then I like look back and like tell Nick, duck! And like, he didn't duck in time, <laughs> and it hits him right in the same spot in the eye. And so, Nick and I both take this tree branch to the eye, and like, we're all trying to like fix ourselves. And of course, a couple of seconds later when Nick's trying to like fumble around on the technical trail with the rock and the fog, he twists his ankle mm-hmm. and uh, really ended up hurting himself there. So he is able
0: to still run on it for a while and uh, basically but, keep, keep with me. But it kind of ended his, like eventually it kind of caught up to him where it, like he had to drop out early. Eventually,
2: yeah. So that was basically like that moment right there was the
0: reason I guess Nick mm-hmm. ended up
2: dropping okay. at some point. But Nick actually made it to mile. 38. So back at mile 14 or whatever, I was we were going along, hit a few more aid stations. Mile 17 came along and I was ahead of Nick by maybe a minute or two at this point. We were bouncing back and forth really just with the like groups of runners there. And I just got a super low point. I don't even know how to describe it really, but it was just like mentally I wasn't ready for this. So the best way I can describe it now is that like for a hundred miles and to run a hundred miles and to train for a hundred miles is I may have been ready physically. I think that physically I could go run a hundred miles, but the point of like training, the reason that you can train for a hundred miles is to like prep yourself mentally. Yeah. And I think that's like one portion of the training that I just didn't do because I didn't have the time to do it. Yeah. Like even though I had those hard workouts, it just mentally didn't prepare me for what I would
0: experience in, at such an early
2: point in the race. Yeah, I mean,
0: I think every runner goes through a to that and obviously you can draw back on past experiences and so like you may you may train you may even train yourself mentally as much as you can but always when you get into the race is that stark realization that you've got 100 miles ahead of you like it doesn't become real until you are like mile five or (laughs) or mile 20, like (laughs) then mile 50 again it's like oh shoot i got 51 miles for sure uh, i can't even imagine that being
1: as someone who's only ever run up to a 50k distance like but i think even understand. the best
0: runners deal with that at some point during a race or or at least sometime during a career like how to wrap your mind around what's ahead or just like you think about your training like oh shoot i didn't do this right mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh yeah and like grindstone compared to other hundred miler races that have a more contained or controlled environment is much more wild much more uh, just real for sure you know just it throws a lot more out because well you, you've done 100 mile you yeah. finished one so yeah i'm
2: one for three and the one that i finished was a, a race also in virginia but it's a totally different style mm-hmm. race with only ten thousand feet of climbing but it was a looped course five 20 mile loops yeah so it's much more controlled i mean before by the time it gets dark you've already run the course at least two and a half times right. or Thank so you. so just that familiarity with the mental battle I just didn't even, like, face yeah. to that extent in, like, my first and, and I think
0: that's what, you know, what's cool about Grindstone is that it's that true mountain experience. It's a true mountain 100-miler that it's, it's not like the altitude races, like, out west, but it's close. And it provides a different type of race to those mountain races out west. It provides the really dense, like, out west, it's really expansive and big and clear. In the east coast, it's just like a green tunnel. It's just everything's just on you for sure and it feels that way you feel like you're trapped in the forest um so yeah if you haven't trained yourself mentally it's it can become real real fast so at
2: mile 17 i ended up deciding that i was gonna drop out and at this point i was like in the top uh hundred of the 300 runners at the point so i mean i was well uh, on like doing just fine pace wise i had a cutoffs, so obviously uh just mentally i was like i'm not there and so The next aid station was at mile 22 so I had five miles still to be like before I could even like be done and I just knew that like mentally that was it for me and I really don't know how to describe what happened uh like physically my legs were fine like it wasn't like a lack of nutrition thing like nothing was puking on the side of the trail or anything like that but it just like mentally the day wasn't there for me and ended up dropping at mile 22. I thought I was the first drop but I guess I wasn't but uh, oh, I guess really? it was one of the first ones so <laughs> you weren't the first I was not the first <laughs> oh man that last five miles did you end up like
1: running it or did you walk most of it or did you like what was the battle going on inside your head that last five miles because you had that a lot of times they always say in ultra running you know you, if you could push through that next half mile or mile sometimes you can find that new wind and go but five miles is a long time to be in that consistent state of
2: of not wanting to continue for sure uh that was a, a super interesting like question and i guess like experience i had because like the one part about it was like there were a lot of people around me still and like obviously nick was either right in front of me or right next to me and, like for the whole time and i didn't want to tell him i'm <laughs> done in four miles like <laughs> good so luck you were still it. running with him then yes yeah, so we, we were still going back and forth then and, like i he passed me and then uh i eventually ended up passing him but at during that point like i would run like really fast and catch up to people or I'd just be walking super slow so I'd let Nick get like a quarter mile half mile ahead of me and then I'd like run as fast as I can to catch up to their group and then just continue walking again until and just keep doing that until I got to the aid station so I mean that's kind of like I guess the final did couple miles How you back and
0: forths? like did you like decide that you wanted to stay and then go back to drop in th-
2: there was no back
0: and you forth back I mean forth. it was like at mile 17
2: it just hit me like that's it and, like, I've never, I mean, there's some, like, battles, like, obviously, you face in these races where, like, okay, you just got to get through the low point mm-hmm. and, like, keep fighting. But, I mean, it was, like, game over, which was just an interesting experience for me.
0: Yeah.
1: Boom. So. Did, did you, um, Were you able to take away anything that you were going to be able to utilize in the future for future endeavors to, to kind of help you get through those spots again?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that, like I said, the one thing is, like, training yourself mentally is, like, super big. So, I mean, like, you can enter these races. You can have all the fitness in the world. You can do all the vert training. You can run up a billion hills all day long. But, I mean, if you can't simulate, like, a race day environment and then also, like, put yourself in that state of mind to be successful and, like, face the challenges that you're going to face
0: on race day, then you just won't be successful. And I think, too, just, like, you know, they say, like, there's success and failure. Like, (laughs) you've learned, like, you know, if, if, if you don't drop out, and well, I don't know, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but just like, you, you learn a lot, just like getting that off your back sometimes For sure. can benefit you the next time. For sure. Um, everything's experience. yeah, everything's experienced. You have 22 miles of this now. Mm-hmm. You know what it feels like, you know what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there is some success and failure. No doubt. I,
2: uh, I read this article by Andy. AJW, mm-hmm. and uh he was talking about this guy that he saw at mile thirty eight that basically mm-hmm. just was doing like it was basically myself. Yeah. I just literally like the, his, the, him and me were going with the same thing. Just like mentally, we were just done, and like he realized that like all these training and races, it's, like two like everything you do physically, you have to like double it mentally. Yeah. And like that was just something that I really took away from me from the race.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read that article. I was, I actually thought it was Nick. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I did too. It was <laughs> Like. In this article that AJW wrote, he was like talking about this guy um, who was like coming to the aid station and he was like going up to his girlfriend, which Nick had his girlfriend there. There's girlfriend, whatever they are. <laughs> but, uh, um, and like, yeah, like he was battling with like that decision, like drop down or not. Mm-hmm. And AJW tried to give him like his like rah yeah pep talk. Yeah. And, like he was talking about his feet hurting, which Nick, yeah, I think, has. Yes. Like, Bad feet issues a lot of times, and uh, like when I read the articles, like I texted Nick, I was like, "Was that you?" AJW, <laughs> but, like apparently he didn't talk to AJW that day. So that's awesome. <laughs> that was funny.
1: you yeah. on to your race, Michael. What?
0: Yeah, it was long. I <laughs> I was out there the whole time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Uh, came on with
0: some <laughs> nice. Nice <laughs> so. while you're at it. <laughs> um, so I guess I can just, I mean, I'll jump to the oh. end, like it was I won the race, um, which doesn't always happen. Um, and I'm really grateful that that happened, but there wasn't it wasn't an easy win. Like for like I've won this is my third hundred miler that I've won. And my past two hundred miles that I won, the Mohican Nice shirt by the way. Yeah, I got the shirt <laughs> yeah. that you won it. Um so like I've won that race twice and relatively those races went smooth. And I knew I was gonna win like pretty soon into the race like well you never know if you're gonna win but like I was pretty confident that I was gonna win the whole way through basically and grind soon, there was never a moment that I thought I was gonna win mm-hmm. even when I like I, I took the lead at mile 35 and basically soon after that is when doubts clouded my mind the whole way the rest of the way based on having some bad sections and you know I had some good sections as well but uh, Travis was the one who finished second and He was really on my tail the whole way, um, getting reports from aid station workers and and my crew there. Um, Yeah, it was just like a back and forth kind of like he'd close the gap and get within eight minutes, and then I'd hear that and like, all right, push it for the next section and get 20 (laughs) minutes up again, and kind of went back and forth, and to where, in the end, it was me and first and Travis 14 minutes back, which, in the grand scheme of things, 14 minutes is not a lot of time in a 100-mile race, so yeah, um, really happy that I won, and, and you know, should be. Yeah. <laughs> um, but happy to beat Travis. Ha- definitely <laughs> happy that I beat Travis because uh, you know I've been doing this for like uh, eight years, and he's been doing it for like three years. Yeah. So it's like
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, when you so when you started the race, that I means you said you took over mile thirty. Thirty-five. Thirty-five. first, yeah. first place. Um, so that means you were in second before that. Was Travis in front of you? or So
0: yeah, the way that played out, uh, like I said, Travis and I linked up at mile five. I started off really chill. Like the first few miles, I just like was like not even top 10, just chatting with some old buddies from Virginia. And then like a downhill, I just kind of like let loose a little bit, like at mile four and just like caught up to Travis pretty quickly. And then we ran together really like we worked. Travis and I worked really well together. Like our running styles are the same, like his strengths are my strengths and vice versa and so we like we thought we'd be running together a lot and we made it to about mile 22 at the aid station you dropped out and then uh, we left that together and then like a few miles later I was actually thinking in my mind that I would tell him to go ahead like I had a little low moment there I had um, like some I don't know esophagus or stomach issues where like it felt like I was needing to like catch my breath Cause I had some peanut butter and jelly sandwich, like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I think that kind of like that peanut butter just like got real sticky in my mm. in my mouth and stuff, and so I was like wanting to slow down a little bit to get get my stomach back on par, and then like before I could say anything, Travis was like, "Man, my stomach's going bad. Just go ahead." And so like he had some stomach <laughs> issues, and so like that actually like I never told Travis this, but like that actually like spurred me on pretty well. I was like all right, here's my chance, <laughs> mile twenty. Um, so he like had a pretty low moment like looking back and getting Mm his uh, like seeing his splits like like he like i don't know if he stopped in the station for 10 minutes i think he said that Mm -hmm. and uh so at that moment i was in second like him and i were second third until he dropped back and then i took second and there was a guy ahead of us i was getting like we were getting reports like he was like nine ten minutes ahead of us like even Mm -hmm. early and then like what for whatever reason i got my stomach back really easily like just as soon as I kind of started running without Travis, like getting liquids into me and not eating anything solid, like really got my stomach back on, on cue. And I had a really good section from like 25 until, uh, like 38. Mm-hmm. Like just like I cut up, the, I caught up the first place at mile 34 ish, 35, coming in that aid station. And he was like, he verbally was telling me that he was hurting. <laughs> be, oh man, that's, cool, but, um, just keep at it. Yeah. You know, I told, I was like trying to encourage him cause like sure. he was like slogging through like on a, on a pretty flat section. And then, so I took the lead right there when I passed him. Um, and for me, just like my running style, even though I, I do go into these things, confident, I don't particularly like having the lead that early in a hundred mile race cause like, then the target's really on your back and you've got, you know, lots of people chasing after you. Um, but like then again, like I kind of went into this race, like I I kind of had this in my mind, like that I needed to take a risk and I don't typically do that in races. Um, but this race, I I wanted to take some risks. And at that moment is when I sort of had that chance to like either lay off the pedal or, or hit the pedal. And I decided to kind of like hit the pedal a little bit, um, even though it didn't last too, too long. Um, like I, I kind of built a lead and actually like looking back at the splits, that guy who I passed coming into the 35 mile aid station he either dropped out or just stayed at that aid station for a long time. And then Travis got to that aid station and that was my biggest lead of the day. I was 40 minutes, I I, were, I, I was like 45 minutes ahead of the wow. entire field at like mile 38. That's crazy. Man. And, uh, I had no idea this was happening behind me. I just, for you know, I just figured it. There was a bunch of people just like kind of like right there. And so I tried to push up, um, uh, You know, there's a there's the biggest climb of the day is like right after that 36 mile aid station. It's called Little Bald Mountain, and it's like what five miles and yeah, 4,000 feet of gain. And even though I was feeling really good, I going into that, I I just like got really really sleepy (laughs) because it was like one o'clock in the morning. I should be sleeping at that time. And then I guess you know, even though I had just got the lead, like mile 39, I started having my my doubts and low moment. And that's when I first lay down on the trail <laughs> or didn't lay down. I sat up against a tree. Um, and th- and that happened a couple times in that climb just was like, like I was saying, I was so tired that I was almost falling asleep. I can feel myself like dozing off while running and being in an the lead, You don't want that to be happening to you. Um, but you know, little did I know that I was so far ahead at that point that like no one was catching me. And, uh, so yeah, I, I, set, I set up against a tree twice to a little bald climb and um, went into the aid station at the top of the bald, um, fully expecting to like sit down and just rest for like five minutes. Like that was my goal. Like that was my plan going to that aid station. I was going to run into the aid station. I was going to tell the aid station workers to get me a chair. And I was like, I need to sleep for five minutes and wake me up and I'll take off. Like I was like, I was like, I was, like, I was pretty confident about that plan and then uh, i show up at the aid station and dr horton's there and as soon as i saw his truck i'm like shoot he's not gonna let me he's not gonna let me do that no and sure enough he like he's like come on boy take these cups of coffee and like he like makes me drink these cups of coffee and he's like well it's, that's on the outback section like it's that's 42 so i would like be back there in eight, the 16 miles and he was like get back here and we'll talk about it then and I was like, ah, oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> 16 miles, I think four hours or something. But uh, so I listened to him. And sure enough, uh, he was right, <laughs> like, because he's a veteran of the sport and, and completely knows what he's talking about. And so the coffee really helped. And then I ended up running um, from mile 42 until mile 65 without stopping. Wow. Um, all the uphills, all the flats, all the downs. And so that was my... Like that's where I feel like I won the race in the end, like because I was able to just kind of crush that section, um, kept that lead. Travis had regained his momentum at that point too. Um, so yeah. That was Travis
1: fun. gaining on you? Then? Uh,
0: no, he wasn't gaining on me during that section. Um, so like when I saw him at the out, at the turnaround, I was about 20 minutes up. So he did gain on me from that A station where I had to lead where I was 40 some minutes up. But I think he gained all of that on the uphill, like where I was sleeping, like where I was falling asleep. Like, but it from that aid station where I was wanting to take a stop at Little Bald back to Little Bald. I think I put a little bit of time on him. Um and then uh but he like he ran just as strong as I did. So it was really cool. Like I had to turn around a mile fifty. Um I like I see him a mile later. And he's like, Cooper's right behind me. And then I saw Cooper. So, like, there was three Ohio guys in the lead. And uh, that definitely motivated me. I was like, that's cool, man. Like, Ohio guys going to sweep the field. <laughs> and, like, there was, it was like, you know, like, when you go, when you travel with the crew, it's like, it gives you this, like, team component that you don't get in running. Because mm-hmm. running such a solo sport. Like, if I was just running this thing by myself, I wouldn't have had that experience. And uh, that excited me. Uh, I think we all kind of, like, pushed ourselves after that um and i thought there was like an outside chance that we take top three like the best case scenario um would be if travis myself and cooper finished top three <laughs> um but like there's so many things that go wrong in a hundred miler that it wasn't expected but it was like wishful dreaming
2: i was uh, saying months in advance like i think you guys are gonna take three in the top five and that was like my big uh my big prediction like months in, fr- in advance of the race <laughs> It'd been exciting for the local community down here yeah
0: exactly i think it's a testament of you know of the trail running scene in southeast ohio we were all wearing like the ohio valley running company singlet mm-hmm. and so like people started associating it's like these A station workers and, and spectators and volunteers were like there's that ovrc singlet and like it starts taking people by notice you know like we start getting noticed and uh, people start talking about the ohio boys uh you can definitely feel that and sense that. And there was like all kinds of Ohio runners in the race too, not just from Southeast Ohio. I think um, on the entrant list, I don't know how many ended up finishing for sure, but I think there was um, like every bit of 15 to to 20 people. Yeah. And a lot of them did finish and did really well in the race. Yeah. So that was cool. Um, And they, they, like we all kind of know each other, at least know know each other's faces. And so on the out and back section, I think it's a, cool part of the race like seeing people um, even if you are in the lead like you, you pass the whole field if you're in the lead and everyone's so nice about just like encouragement and and like that actually uplifted me like them giving me encouragement also me giving encouragement back like I didn't just ignore them like I I tried made it a point to like congrat or like say good job to everyone or tell everyone to keep it up or tell everyone that they're doing a good job because I kind of believe in like getting energy from being nice to people and uh you know just like having something to do also because otherwise it's kind of boring out there um so yeah that was that was a highlight of the day um for sure at mile 50 when i saw that so what time of day was mile 50 for you so the race starts 6 p.m so it's going to be so nine at 9 45 was what i was at, at halfway point so it was um what is that three forty-five? i think <laughs> we didn't oh, do the man, math but it so six yeah, to, so, six to six to midnight is six yeah. yeah so yeah 345 345
2: so at this point i mean like it's not even like people can really see you until like you get super close to them and then you give them the encouragement so yeah like, i didn't like even you know see him from a, way, a mile away and like wave your i belly. didn't know
0: it was travis like for sure because he had changed singlets and i was like expecting to see like blue mm-hmm. and he had changed it to a white and blue singlet and uh so like I was like kind of taken by surprise like like saw a singlet and then eventually he like said hey Mike it's Travis <laughs> but uh, it, like I still didn't register it at first but then I mm-hmm. like saw his face like in the headlamp uh, at the end but so yeah it's it's dark and that's yeah I mean I, for me in the dark like I just I just kind of I know mean, a lot of people struggle running in the dark but I I accept it um and kind of just like really like harness the dark. Um, I don't know, like if I, f- I feel really good and just like this little bubble of light, that's my headlamp. Mm. And it, for me, I look at it as I take away the distractions. I completely, in my own mind, I can completely focus on the present and this one little area that I need to focus on rather than that's be. an interesting way to look at it. Most people get scared of what they can't see,
1: but yet you're focused on just the only things that you could mm see.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. and like it's a it's a very tight space um you know, and i've learned over the years like i've been doing this now for you know, i've been running for 14 years but running ultras for eight years and i have ran lots of night races um and you feel safe because there's lots of runners out there and there's eight stations every five or five to ten miles and so to me that's like well there's it's pretty it's gonna be weird like rare if like a you know serial killer comes and gets you um, it's more it's more common maybe like a an animal comes out but like there's so many people that like they're spooked probably at that point it's what i think at least so yeah. i don't get scared from like outside forces coming in to me it's like group mentality yeah like, i mean this when you're out there with
2: everyone at night i mean it's like yeah it's different than just going out by yourself
0: for just, sure like, like it's like if you don't run at night for a long time and then you just run on your own at night. It is much more spooky to me. Um, but then, like, if you have a, one person with you, it's like that much less scary. For sure. Because um, just you're talking and it's louder, and the animals can hear you and stuff. So yeah, I, I just like it's an experience thing in the end. Uh, but I've 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 like at least like mentally thought about like that space that I'm in, and I use that as like a metaphor of just like being within myself. And focusing on just what I need to focus on. Yeah,
1: exciting. So you said you ran from forty something all the way to about sixty-five, mm-hmm. right, nonstop, and you're feeling really, really good in that area. Yeah. Let's talk about sixty-five to you know, maybe the next low spot that you had, because I'm sure you had some more of those. That's
0: when it started, to be honest. So um, the same section. So when you get to sixty-five, it's that same aid station. It's thirty-five. And so that's where I kind of took the lead. So then the section where I was really killing it to get the lead was that next section that I had to run. And it was uphill to 72. So Lookout Mountain's mile 72. And it's mostly uphill um, from 65. And that's when I had my next low moment. Um, Looking back, (laughs) I was 25 minutes up on Travis at 65. And at Lookout Mountain, he was eight minutes behind. So just in seven miles, he put 17 minutes on me. <laughs> and uh, <God. laughs> actually, I, the whole time, like, I figured i at least, like, kept my lead through 65. But I knew the whole time that seven-mile stretch, I was like, he's probably right behind me. Like, I, I knew that's how bad I was doing. Um, so I was looking behind. Like, that's when I first started, like, looking behind my shoulder. Like, all right, who's going to come get me? Um
1: we were daytime by now, right? You could.
0: So, yeah, that's that's a section that got light on, which was kind of nice, but it didn't help me. When I did this race four years ago, I remember having like a really huge uplift of energy when it turned light, and I was expecting to get that boost again, and it wasn't there. <laughs> um, so, I was like, I should just keep the headlamp on. But um, so, but it was nice getting the headlamp off uh, and, and seeing light and seeing the course really for the first time, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's beautiful down there and that's kind of one of the bummer things about uh running into the whole thing at night like the whole you know you just can't see the the scene like the vistas or whatever for sure (laughs) so um it was nice to see the vistas and the scene like the scenery for for the first time um but yeah i didn't get that morning uplift that i was kind of hoping for and travis like that's when it that's when in my mind it became like a big race between me and travis because even when I got to um, Lookout Mountain aid station, that's when I got a report that he was 25 minutes behind. So I knew that seven miles ago I was 25 minutes up. But also, like I said, like I knew with how slow I was going for that seven miles gap that like there's no way he did not gain on me unless he was just like dealing with the same thing I was dealing with, which was pretty like in my eyes like it was pretty like it would have been really I I'm bad at, or, like. Uncommon that he would be feeling the same way as I was at that point. So then I pushed <laughs> Like I knew that I would have had to have pushed and I think I was just doing better on the downhills in general, too because that next section had some downhill in it um, and Yeah, like I said at that point it became a real race between Travis and I and he obviously Probably got a report at Lookout Mountain that he was only eight minutes behind like he he knew in real time Way more than like way sooner than I knew how much he was on me. Right. So, so I
1: comes into the aid station and they're like, he left eight minutes ago. Exactly.
0: So like that's what he gets. So like he's probably sparked or else he's shot or because he said he pushed on that section, like from sixty five to, to seventy two. And then so I don't find out about me being eight minutes be, up up on him until the next aid station. So I'm like, I'm a segment behind basically on the updates. Um, so I get into at the next aid station would be. 22 so so 78 so it's mm-hmm. a six mile gap and I, I felt like I ran that section really well so I get there and that's where they tell me all right Travis is eight, only eight minutes behind you at that point and even though I knew there was a whole section between where I ran good I still thought well maybe Travis matched what I ran so he's still eight minutes back and so that was my mindset at 78 and so I just remember that was when I first really started like chugging uh, soda <laughs> um, which kind of became the, the the end of my race like in terms of what I did the rest of the way out and so that was there's a picture of maybe you can throw it up on the screen but uh there's a picture of me chugging a, a two liter jug of a cola coca-cola a great picture and then like it was a, it was like probably a fourth of the way full and I just completely chugged it and I slammed into the trash can and I picked up the ginger ale <laughs> and uh, it was like completely full and I was like should I put my mouth on it? And uh, I didn't. I just like poured it in my mouth. It was coming all down my chest. And then I, I put it back on the table and it fell over. <laughs> and so, like, I'm picking it up and, like, I don't, I'm don't, i not very coordinated at this point. And uh, the aid station captain, who's uh, an old friend of mine, Frankie Gonzalez, just like a full of energy guy, um, he's like, dude, you're spilling my, my ginger ale. <laughs> um, I'm like, sorry, Frankie, I'm gonna go. And so, like, I just, like, I was in that aid station really um quickly like i was like in, chugged the soda um maybe grabbed a pierogi or two and then just left like it was probably 30 seconds um, and i saw my family there too which was kind of uplifting i saw fern and bobby and, and lewis and my sister and uh, that's always encouraging too but like i knew i had to get out of there it's like if you want to keep this lead um so yeah and then from there like the same thing sort of happened back and forth like He ended up falling back a little bit on that section, back to 20 minutes. And then the next section I felt really bad again. Um, And he gained, he got back within like 10 minutes and then it just timed out in the end really, um, where I came out on top. Um, I was, the end, like the last section was a section where I was then gaining on him again. So
1: at what point did you like kind of, almost have a realization that you're like, this is my race. I've, I'm going to finish first. Like, was that, or was that all the way to the end? Like, were you just, honestly,
0: concerned? um, so yeah, like the last aid station was my was five miles to go. And I was really rushed through there. Like in terms of like my, um, like my mind, like I, I like, I went in that aid station, like knowing that I had to get out of there because, um, that whole last section before that aid station was runnable and I wasn't running it particularly well and I knew if Travis was running it like he could literally be putting like two minutes per mile on me or more and there was also a section before that a station where I sat down on a rock again to like kind of rest my head for 30 seconds that I had done a few times and I had gotten tired again and man I just like I was so nervous I don't know why um but like I had every right to be nervous because I just had no you just have no idea what's happening behind you and like, just, you know, looking back, Travis was telling me that he was kind of struggling through there too. So I had nothing to worry about. But, so yeah, I um, I just, I really didn't know I was going to win until maybe a mile to go. Even then, like I still was looking behind me every few minutes or every minute or two. I saw Wes mm-hmm. with about a mile to go and uh, I was, I was cooking pretty good through there just because like, I knew the terrain because, like, I had ran it in the past, and, like, he would ran it at the very, very beginning. So, like, I knew exactly, like, the finishing two miles. It was, like, around the lake and, and through the through the campgrounds. I mean, you so, were moving when
2: I saw you. I mean, it
0: wasn't like you were... I think that my fastest mile was actually 97 or 98, I think, uh, of the day. And so, yeah, like, that was, like... Like, my the way I look at things when I get to that point in a race, whether I'm in first or whatever, is, like if I'm going at my max effort at my max pace for a hundred miler for that point, there's no way someone's going to gain on me. You know, like if, if I'm running nine minute pace and a hundred miler at mile 95, there's no way someone's going to be running seven minute pace, you know, unless you're some kind of freak. <laughs> um, Jim Walmsley. Yeah. Like it's are Jim Walmsley <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but, uh, like that's the way I look at it. It's like, if I'm like maxing out, there's only so much gaining someone can do on me, you know? And so that's just what i was focusing on is last five miles is like every second i have to maximize my pace and you did that with the aid stations too i mean you said you were in and out but i mean like when you say you were in
2: and out, you were in and out like mm. within like under a minute like yeah most there were, times
0: most times yeah most times under a minute the ones i had crew there was definitely probably two to three minutes mm-hmm. maybe um just because i was like getting bottles out to the, for them to refill and uh, getting more stuff from them rather than just filling up and, and stuff at, at like a non-crew aid station. And so, yeah, I, I think uh, I think at mile 65, I had like an eight-minute stop. Um,
2: but Travis was the same way.
0: I mean, the exactly. last aid station at 95 particularly, you
2: were a minute, I think, just over a minute. Yeah. Travis came in there on only 30 seconds in and out of the aid station. Yeah. So, I mean, even at the very end, you guys were still pushing for every second and yeah. it came down to the 14 minutes.
0: Yeah, it was cool. Um, it was cool that it worked out to be him and I, because it like it would have been special if it was some other person that we didn't know mm-hmm. that I didn't know. But uh, like, I think it it meant more to both of us. I think that we were like, because like we you know we talked trash leading into this race, and uh, like his training is just way more volume than me at this point in our careers, and this point of our like just having like me having kids and stuff. Like I just don't put the volume in but I've got a lot more experience, but, uh, yeah, we definitely trash talked and he's like, he's rising in the world of ultra running and I'm just like, like pretty good, but like plat- flat line, lining. And I think I can improve still, but like just not as rapidly. My improvement based on experience at this point, I think not based on training. Um, I can maybe be smarter in training and like include different facets of training that I'm not doing, but I can't do any more. Like i'm not going to be crushing 200 mile weeks or 150 mile weeks or even like 100 mile weeks much anymore um so like i have to rely on kind of like i'm only i'm only 20 actually travis is older than me but, <laughs> but i'm just like six years older than him in ultra running age um i had to rely on like you know the veteran tactics the wily coyote moves for or, sure no, not the old like roadrunner moves that's
1: what you do when you uh, cross the finish line
0: Uh, so I kind of like started to stumble in the race. I remember that like Clark was like, you all right? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I just need a chair. I was good. Like I was completely coherent and good. But like, I was like, just wanting to find a chair. And so I sat in a chair and I sat in that for every bit of the 14 minutes that I was ahead of Travis. And I, (laughs) I like, well, I should probably get up and give him a hug. (laughs) So that's what we did. Like he came in, uh, looking pretty shot, obviously. Like not like I did, but uh yeah, you know, we just kinda of, like embraced each other, gave us uh, each other like a big man hug and uh told him I was proud of him, mostly for not beating me. <laughs> but uh no, it was cool. It was very like very shared experience at that point. It's like very, very nice to be able to like have that moment with each other. The only like I guess cool thing that happened to me like that weekend
2: was seeing these guys <laughs> crush the race. I mean like being at the finish line and seeing obviously Michael come in first and try this, like, right behind him. And then Coop only a couple, maybe an hour or so. Yeah, so
0: Cooper ended up in seventh. Um, So he, like, you know, when he was in third place at mile 50, he was dealing with, like, a lot of quad. Like, his quads had been, like, locking up on him already at that point. And so he he took a little bit, or no, his feet were hurting at that point. That's right. And he took a little bit of time at that 50-mile aid station to deal with some blisters, took his shoes off. But then he still got going, and then his quads went out. Going down that big little ball climb into sixty-five, and then I think he had trekking poles. He picked up his poles at, at 65. sixty-five. Okay, so then he like, you know, if you're if you're feeling that bad at sixty-five, and then still finish seventh, it's pretty good that he regrouped and finished seventh. Like pretty respectful of the time. It's pretty competitive this year, for um, sure. Yeah. Three Ohio guys in top ten. Yeah, three Ohio guys, top seven, top ten. Um, I think Coop. Um, what was his time? Twenty-two. Yeah, just over. 22 i believe yeah so he was hours. and i was 20 minutes or 20 hours eight minutes travis is 20 hours 22 minutes and then third place a local down there johnny anderson was um he was under 21 i guess just, just under 21 four guys under 21 actually oh. uh, neil gorm was like 21 20 hours 50 that's right. six minutes or something so um like all things considered like a spread of 50 minutes or less is pretty tight for a 50 or a 100 mile race um so
2: i guess like how much of that do you think had to do with like i guess like the weather that you guys felt faced in the night i mean like maybe mm -hmm. in like some of the sections that you would be able to like really stretch it out and really push early on like were you able to or do you how do you feel about that
0: i think travis and i were really conservative in the fog like we were getting caught by a couple guys on the downhills and we just like regain our lead on the uphill because like the uphills you're not going as fast where you can like uh like roll your ankles in the, in the rocks so like we took it easy on the downs ran the uphills pretty well early on and then something else about the race was like it was unseasonably hot for this time of year it was was did it get into like the high 70s i think it was only yeah i mean it, and especially the next day it was yeah definitely so like you know once you got past the mid-morning for uh, day two on saturday morning it, it got up into the 70s and that was a Like, after the fall, like, then it was hot. And in in early October, I think Clark said, like, it was 14 degrees higher than the average for that time of year, which um, is a pretty significant amount. Like, it's the difference between mid-70s and, like, high 50s for sure and even at night like in the start of the race it was, it was super humid yeah
2: and like i mean like everyone was sweating a lot in the first couple of miles even though we were all running pretty conservative pace yeah i was like, all hanging out but we were all like <laughs> soaking wet <laughs> i remember making
0: a comment like man like, i feel like i'm completely soaked like already my like, yeah. shorts were dripping from water so it was humid yeah it, was, it wasn't just hot it was humid mm-hmm. and i think with those two things the fog and the humidity and the heat um slowed the times down because like i won with a 20 hour a minute and it's been a while since this race hasn't been won with a sub 20 hour. Like I, I got third four years ago with the 1930 and I was, I was, you know, once two spots better and 30 some minutes slower. Um, so yeah, that, that reflected the fog and it always kind of brings in the time different. Like it makes the spread a lot smaller for sure you have the, the adverse weather. Like there's no one that can just like kind of bliss it. Um, like you see sometimes in hundred mile races.
1: Let's talk gear. What kind of gear do you guys use throughout the race? And You know, shoes yeah, you want and,
0: to start off with your 22 miles of gear? Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah so I was uh, rocking the Nathan Vapor Car uh, Hydration Pack, which is one of my favorite uh, packs that I've gotten used to recently and I've used that on all my long runs and adventures since I've gotten it and that's really my go-to shoes i've been rocking the new balance heroes i'm uh, a big fan of the new balance trail shoes now yeah uh, they don't have a team yet but i'm
0: working on it <laughs> you're gonna join the new balance team i'm gonna create the new balance trail team yeah they used to yeah new balance used to be like one of the top two trail shoes right really like back back in my uh, like 2010 my first 200 milers were new balance shoes wow yeah so bring, just... bring the roots back yeah they go i, I feel like they go through phases like they don't make trail shoes and they like decide they want to again and vice versa. Like Anton Karpitschka was a New Balance guy for six years or something like that. And he was like, yeah, the top of the ultra game at one point. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. What were you,
2: uh, rock on your race day? Obviously I was wearing my OVRC shirt and all that stuff.
0: Yeah. So like very fortunate that OVRC uh, sponsors me as a runner. Um, so I was rocking the OVRC kit. Um, for me, it's a blue singlet. I love the North face, better than naked stuff. And so I had uh, just a blue North face singlet, um, black shorts. It's been like, I was like, kind of like laughing the other day cause like the shirt that I, or the singlet I wore has like noticeable pinholes in them. Cause I've worn this singlet for like two and a half years now, <laughs> but I love it. Um, and then I went packless. I decided to not wear a pack. Um, so it's kind of a last minute decision. I bought a, uh, I guess it's called a Vapor Krar waist belt, um, that has an 18 ounce bottle in the, in the back that you can, you know, it's a soft flask bottle. So you, you know, as it comes down, it's real packable. And then I was carrying a bottle in my hand. So I basically had uh, 38 ounces of water with me at all times. Um, shoes, I've really gotten into the Solomon since rides, um, kind of like the the do-all shoe it handles kind of every terrain it's kind of got some cushion but it's not like overly cush um kind of like good for long distance. i i wore the whole i wore the same shoe the entire race which is a sign of a good shoe for 100 miler and then um yeah Uh, Petzl react headlamp uh which which was part of the race too because like it's a rechargeable battery and uh, I forgot to mention this, but like on my way up Little Bald Mountain at mile um, 39, it, it gives you like a, a, a warning flash. Like it, it just like flashes a couple times to say like the battery's getting low. And uh, I knew it was going to do that. I was expecting it. it was like, I was like, well, I'm just going to see how long it lasts after this. Like I didn't test it out in training, obviously. <laughs> like I should. Have. <laughs> um, I just didn't train. I guess I didn't really train at night much but, um, this time. But yeah. Uh, so like I was just going along like walking up this hill and just like it all of a sudden it just like stops and like it's pitch black. I'm like, "Well, shoot, I got to change this battery in the dark." <laughs> and so uh like it was in my waist belt and uh it was kind of cool like it was completely pitch black and that's when it like that's like when you really start like sensing the darkness mm-hmm. is when you don't have the light. It's like it was so black that I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see my hand, couldn't see the stars. So like I had to kind of fumble around, but it was a pretty smooth transition into, uh, yeah, battery exchange. And then that lasted me the rest of the uh, darkness. So uh, yeah, nutrition like, too. Yeah, headlamp on. Yeah, I had this uh, Petzl headlamp. Same thing. I had the
2: battery like the oh yeah the triple, spot yeah spot yeah so I liked that one
0: just because you did can't... you make it through a charge <laughs> I did I don't know if I
2: I forget if I changed batteries honestly I feel like I might have just for brightness but I probably didn't I don't know we'll have to look back at the the records for that one
1: <laughs> what about a uh, about 22 miles of nutrition what, Need- were you, what were you focused on for nutrition? What did you did you train with nutrition like leading up to the race, or Leslie's style of, is weird, or did you just kind of
2: swing it the day of and said I'll eat whatever's there. <laughs> uh, a little bit of both. I mean, I I'm, like I've never been super great at nutrition. Actually, like, probably the one thing I suck most at, in my opinion, is just like not being able to process things as well as I should nutrition wise. So I guess on the race day, I just kind of like wung it, like wung it a little bit, but I still like knew like what I was looking for with certain foods. So I had the two i had one flask of tailwind and one with water in my thing and uh luckily okay. i was just going back and forth with that funny story with me at mile four at the first aid station they actually didn't have any tailwind available because mm-hmm. like of uh, being like in the mid pack mid to back of the pack at that point they mm-hmm. were like they only had like one gatorade thing okay. and i guess if they would have had another one they, they could have done like a little swap thing to like make sure they always had some but uh-huh. there was like none when nick and i came through Shoot. and so when we were fumbling around with our uh flask and whatnot I actually dropped one of my like uh hydration flask tops and obviously like with 20 runners around us at that point and not being dark and whatnot I couldn't find it so I feel like just like I couldn't use one of my flasks so I basically just had like one water thing here and then I still had my bladder in the back too so mm-hmm. I had a, uh, a bladder full of water in the back just okay. one and a half liters so gotcha. that ended up being a little interesting and I guess a little annoying yeah <laughs> that had to lose that guy in the night cause I couldn't look for it real quick, but mm. yeah, basically just tailwind and some PB and J and some potato chips was my strategy. Cool. Besides Coca-Cola <laughs> <laughs> at the end, there, what did you, uh,
1: what did you focus on eating?
0: Yeah. So even, um, even though I was drinking primarily Coke and ginger ale at these I still was having, um, goo, roctane endurance mix in, in like one of my bottles at all times. So each serving I portioned it out. Um, ahead of time in baggies for my crew and for my pack and stuff and drop bags um has 250 calories so like i was almost guaranteed 250 calories per hour and i'm pretty diligent about drinking an entire bottle of that per hour um so and and, like i found out that that goes down for me pretty easily and i don't like get nauseous from it or, or like it doesn't disrupt my stomach so like i'm like 250 calories is actually sometimes enough to sustain me for a race well, obviously like you want the other stuff too. Like pierogies was huge. Um
1: Yeah, I heard heard stories about these pierogies. They had lots of really uh, good, good, tasty pierogies. Yeah.
0: Did you get
2: any? I did, I did oh. get some, yeah. Pretty awesome freight station. Some potatoes too. I don't know if you had any of those,
0: but mm. those were also great. Um but so yeah, I I think I probably had like at least fifteen pierogies throughout the night and morning. Um at one point I remember like eating a couple of the grabbing two more and like stuffing them in my pocket and then like forgetting they were there and they were like seeping out of my pocket <laughs> later on in the day it's nice to have you want to attract some animals on <laughs> yeah. the trail um so like the progies were good for like sodium just like some comfort um coffee was like actually i kind of have a theory now about coffee is like what's well, not really a theory it's probably proven but I'm not, I don't really know. <laughs> Dr. Owen. Yeah, Dr. <laughs> Owen here. Uh, just living on experience here. But uh, like there were some aid stations that I didn't get coffee and some aid stations I did. Every time I had coffee, it felt I felt like I had my energy sustained for the entire next segment. Whereas like the, the cola only stations, like I would just like get that high for 10 minutes and then like it would just completely drain from me after like those 10 minutes. And so like it was a quick uh short burning energy and then like the coffee was like supercharged for an hour or something i don't know if there's any truth behind that medically or uh scientifically <laughs> but uh at least maybe it's a placebo effect uh, so i had a lot of coffee too and then like i tried like put potato chips in my mouth and just like i don't know just like for whatever reason like those chewing and substance didn't really i didn't crave it and so all my calories were from liquid, essentially, with a little bit of produce. Wow. Yeah, Yep. It sounds like it worked, Barely, barely. <laughs> I don't it think I could've won if I had 110 miles. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe Travis is dealing with the same thing, I don't know. And cool. Travis has a harder time, because he's vegan, mm-hmm. and he even like goes through that in races, and uh, certain things, He couldn't like certain aid stations, he didn't have a big selection of foods so that they didn't have like if they didn't have a drop bag or a crew there so uh, he has a convenient excuse for losing to me yeah
1: <laughs> um so start wrapping things up i guess you know um plans for the future you two got plans for for new races coming up or
0: i guess for me the most uh great current... you need to uh just quickly recap uh, another race that you almost did <laughs> <laughs> well okay i guess the <laughs> most recent race that we've both did or i
2: guess he did i didn't do again (laughs) whatever we do races now i feel like things go tough for me but they work out kind of well for you yeah Uh, they call that a valley you're you're in there right now yeah i'm definitely at the bottom so uh over the weekend my brother and i basically just did not start the Columbus Marathon due to alarm clock issues so luckily we were able to get out there later in the day and uh we did run a 26.2 mile run together just in some random bike path that we found and uh Reynoldsburg, I believe. So yeah. that was fun. We did it like three hours and fifty-three minutes. So pretty okay. impressive. For for, just, for your brother's first one, brother's first marathon. So that was that was cool for him to, I guess, experience the highs and the lows of running and. Ex-
1: Missed that whole race experience.
2: Yeah, he did. But I think he was, in the in the overall picture, he was happy just to finish the the distance. Cool. So, and what's next then? And then, so I guess, immediate future is the Shawnee fifty, possibly still on the fence about that race but uh that race is in a couple weeks here so uh it should be a fun one i did it's the same course i did my 50 milers on uh for that training run that i was talking about previously it's the same course except it's 54 miles i cut out uh, one section that michael actually ended up clearing over the weekend that was just unrunnable and unpassable so the race course should be pretty good and better than when i ran it a couple weeks ago so yeah should be a fun one Cool.
1: But you got any, any races planned for the future?
0: No, not in the immediate future. So I, I did run the Columbus Marathon two weeks after the Grand 100, which was uh, not wise. I mean, I did fine in the end, but like, it just was pretty painful, <laughs> uh, some intense leg pain. But uh, no, there's nothing on my schedule that I'm officially registered for until uh, February. Which again, is another race that we are all most of the crew, I believe. Yeah, the Same. whole uh, except for Mike. Except for Mike Cooper. Um, yeah. So, what's uh, that race? The Mount Mitchell 40 mile challenge. Uh, Twenty. Uh, or, yeah, almost 20 miles up to Mount Mitchell, the highest point in the East Coast, and then 20 miles down. Actually, I think it's a little short. I think it's like 36 yeah, miles. but they call it? 38 total. 38? Yeah. Okay. Or 36. So it's 18 up, 18. Okay. Down. So
2: they they call it a 40 mile challenge, but it's not. 40 miles so Travis will be out there doing that one as well Nick boss will be out there myself uh, a few of the other OU trail running students will be out there doing the marathon distance because they have a marathon distance as well gotcha. so I, that'll be an exciting race where we'll all get to be a team again and uh hopefully everyone will it's it's Paul really Barty go. and Paul Barty is doing the 40 you, is doing the big challenge so, so. he's going
0: to be part of the crew
2: as well so I mean I'm looking forward to that one that's one on my schedule that I'm actually really looking forward
0: to yeah, that's my next race, and then like, I'm the race director of the Shawnee Fifty, so hopefully you come. <laughs> um, you've already paid for it. Oh yeah, I'll uh, I'll be there. And then uh, it's like <laughs> he just likes like paying for races. And I <laughs> Such a millennial thing it's to awful. do.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll uh we'll I'll be
1: there. Okay. We'll, yeah, it'll be fun. So any last words about grindstone or any anything else we want to talk about today?
0: Uh not that i can think of things we covered the bases we covered all 100 miles
2: um basically if you're looking for, and like one thing now that surprised me the most about grindstone is like a lot of people chose this race as their first 100 miler hmm. like in their in the crew meeting that we had uh, that's true beforehand everyone's like how many hundred miles have they run and a lot of first
0: timers mm-hmm. chose this race so if but we... at the same time it was a 78 percent finishers rate yes which for how tough the conditions were that's a pretty high finishers rate for 100 miler of, of any of any 100 miler. That's uh, typically that race,
2: like when I looked for past results the past couple of years, normally it's around like 60, like hmm. 66, 65%. So like, it was like 10 or 15% more so this year. E- so. Yeah, so even
0: though there were a lot of first time 100 mile runners, I think the aid stations worked mm-hmm. or like the like level experience that the aid station workers had really plays a part in that finish rate. And uh, there are a lot of veterans that run the race too. It's so like you have them along the course running to kind of cue in on. And so I do wonder, like, of the uh, 22% who didn't finish, how many were uh, first-time 100-milers? For sure. Um, probably, probably more than 50% of the 22% of the DNFers were probably... I would surmise at least, like a lot of those were first timers.
2: And a lot of like the one thing that like surprised me, like the 78% finish rate, like I was one of the toughest weather years mm-hmm. in a long time for that race. So, yeah. I mean, that's a super impressive that everyone was able to grind out that finish and get that race done.
0: Mm, grind. I saw. I was using the word grind. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good one. I would definitely encourage people to look in the grind center and uh, any of the races that like Dr. Horton. And Clark Zealand put on down there are kind of the same level of um, execution and production mm-hmm. from an advanced standpoint. Definitely fun. All a lot of fun. Yeah.
1: Cool. I think that pretty much wraps up this uh, first episode of Trail Talk, right?
2: Trail Talk. Um, <laughs> Wesley, where can, we find, uh, where can people find us? People can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Bridge Runners. You can also check us out on Apple Podcasts and Google Play, so you can check us out. Rage Runner's there, too, so yeah, we're this, all over.
0: This, yeah, this format's probably more podcast uh, intended, but like, we're definitely on YouTube, if you're watching us. Um, but, Let's see our beautiful faces. Yeah, and our cool props. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty cool metal, though. That is nice. It's, it's cool. heavy, for sure. Is it's it? a good bookend. A good paperweight. <laughs> That's a big paperweight. <laughs> I was thinking about putting on you know, like a bookshelf like, to keep the books from falling over. That's a good idea.
1: Cool. Well, uh, my name is John Dolavecki. I'm, the, I guess, the tech host. I'm always the one behind the camera, normally for the rundowns.
2: Um, We've got Wesley Harton. It was great having you up in front of the camera at this time. It's
1: good being here for one.
2: It's awesome.
0: Hanging out in the shadows, typically. Yep. (laughs) And uh, Michael Owen, your finisher. Oh, (laughs) for the Grindstone 100. Had to get that. And the clubs right (laughs) (laughs) there. What's worse, a DNF or DNS? Okay, so we've had this. Let's just...
2: (laughs) take like two minutes real quick to dive into this so i have, i'm under the impression that a dns is worse than a dnf because i believe that if you don't start a race if you have the ability to so for example with <laughs> my training i could have just dns grindstone and like that would have been a totally reasonable thing for me to probably do with based on like what i did but i feel like just going out there and having the experience that i gained and really just giving it your best shot really is better than not starting at all
0: hmm so what are your thoughts? You almost swayed me there. <laughs> oh, like, so like a little bit ago, I was like very strong, strongly like DNF's way worse. It's like, you're just a wimp if you drop out.
2: <laughs> well, I, I, I agree <laughs> to the sense, but I just think like it's far worse if you just like choose to not start a race. If you have, like, if you have the ability to, that's
0: just, I mean, are not injured or- in See, zone, I, I look at it as like, like a, if you DNS, Maybe you're right. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Let's go. I think, I think DNS's are smarter in terms of like, you realize that you're not ready for it or that you might be, you know, staving off an injury or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think DNF's are smart too. If you are developing an injury. Um, but then again, as a purist in the sport, as an old timer, as an old timer mentality in the sport, it's like you should only drop out if you're uh if you're uh, completely, I don't know, your arms are falling off, your legs are falling <laughs> off. Um, Understandable. I, I have dnf races, but. Uh, like, 50 mile, at, I believe, right? Yeah. 15, maybe had a couple others. No, not a couple others. <laughs> There's this,
2: you have three DNF's.
0: Okay, you're right.
2: <laughs> um, I have two, odd facts to know. Yeah, but.
0: Uh, Mine are both hundreds. Because they're both all are under the hundred mile distance. I think the hundred. I think um, the reason that I am anti DNF is because ideally, I would think that people should enter hundred milers completely ready, and that, that level of like respect for the hundred mile distance should be there for sure. Instead of uh, not being there, and so that's that's where I stand on that side. Like this of the debate is like if if you DNS. you at least kind of like realized you're not there um before the race starts or or whatnot but uh i think just like it's really cool going to these races like seeing the people that do finish you know um all ages all shapes and sizes all experience levels like you know i I, something else i wanted to point out like this is we're going over our two minutes like you did get like the flu after the grindstone yeah and so like not to bash you too much you know, about <laughs> dropping out and yeah. like make you seem like the the bad guy here, but yeah, like, yeah. so may, like you said you didn't feel that you didn't think that you felt the flu during the race, yes. but like that very well could have affected some things with you because sure. like you literally got the flu like Sunday or
2: like yeah like Saturday night basically, yeah. and then like it was like a two day thing, yeah. but I mean like which it's thing? hard to
0: tell like that was so affecting the friday or not 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 to uh sound like the mean guy who (laughs) who doesn't like dnf guy for sure people but um i i
2: think but nevertheless let us know what you think about (laughs) dnf and dns's we want to hear your comments on who you think like is the best argument here and like which one you think is better
0: or yeah and then then also uh, feel free to give feedback about the show um, if you have topics that you would like to see us dive deep into whether it be about a race that we do, or just about a topic in the sport, or maybe about a, an issue within. You know, we, we like to focus on things east of the Mississippi, because um, it's not represented as much in uh, ultra and trail running media. Um, we'd love to look into it, research, talk. Mm-hmm. Um, we have three different opinions, obviously, about things. And- Only one of us is right. That's <laughs> me. But... Oh yeah. Says the 22 year old. 21, 21 year old. 21 year old. It's coming up on 22. <laughs> At least
1: he made it further in the race than he, his age. <laughs>
0: Barely. <laughs> Just a smidge. Yikes. That was a spec. <laughs> that, right? was a, that was yeah. a spec. <laughs> so, yeah, shoot us, uh, shoot us some feedback and hopefully you guys like it. If not, let us know that too. And, uh, yeah, hopefully. People. We'll
2: see you guys next time on another edition of Trail Talk. Cool. See you guys.